Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, November 8th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Kayai Sarah, and it means Life of Sarah. Genesis 24, 27-52 Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. Now Rebekah had a brother named Laban who ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and had heard Rebekah tell what the man had said. So he rushed out to the spring, where the man was still standing beside his camels. Laban said to him, Come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing here outside the town, when I have a room all ready for you, and a place prepared for the camels? So the man went home with Laban, and Laban unloaded the camels, gave him straw for their bedding, fed them, and provided water for the man and the camel drivers to wash their feet. Then food was served. But Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I have told you why I have come. All right, Laban said, tell us. I am Abraham's servant, he explained. 
and the Lord has greatly blessed my master. He has become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, and many male and female servants and camels and donkeys. When Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my master's son, and my master has given him everything he owns. And my master made me take an oath. He said, Do not allow my son to marry one of those local Canaanite women. Go instead to my father's house, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son. But I said to my master, What if I can't find a young woman who is willing to go back with me? He responded, The Lord, in whose presence I have lived, will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. Yes, you must find a wife for my son from among my relatives, from my father's family. Then you will have fulfilled your obligation. But if you go to my relatives and they refuse to let her go with you, you will be free from my oath. So today, when I came to the spring, I prayed this prayer, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success on this mission. See, I am standing here beside this spring. This is my request. When a young woman comes to draw water, I will say to her, Please, give me a little drink of water from your jug. If she says, Yes, have a drink, and I will draw water for your camels too, Let her be the one you have selected to be the wife of my master's son. Before I had finished praying in my heart, I saw Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water. So I said to her, Please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and said, Yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too. So I drank, and then she watered the camels. Then I asked, Whose daughter are you? And she replied, I am the daughter of Bethuel, and my grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. Then I bowed low and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, because he had led me straight to my master's niece to be his son's wife. So tell me, will you or won't you show unfailing love and faithfulness to my master? Please tell me yes or no, and then I'll know what to do next. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, The Lord has obviously brought you here, so there is nothing we can say. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go. Yes, let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard their answer, he bowed low to the ground and worshipped the Lord. Ezekiel 18.1-19.14 Then another message came to me, Ezekiel, from the Lord. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten our sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb any more in Israel. For all people are mine to judge both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. Suppose a certain man is righteous and does what is just and right. 
He does not feast in the mountains before Israel's idols or worship them. He does not commit adultery or have intercourse with a woman during her menstrual period. He is a merciful creditor, not keeping the items given as security by poor debtors. He does not rob the poor, but instead gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He grants loans without interest, stays away from injustice, is honest and fair when judging others, and faithfully obeys my decrees and regulations. Anyone who does these things is just and will surely live, says the Sovereign Lord. But suppose that man has a son who grows up to be a robber or murderer and refuses to do what is right. And that son does all the evil things his father would never do. He worships idols on the mountains, commits adultery, oppresses the poor and helpless, steals from debtors by refusing to let them redeem their security, worships idols, commits detestable sins, and lends money at excessive interest. Should such a sinful person live? No, he must die and take full blame. But suppose that sinful son in turn has a son who sees his father's wickedness and decides against that kind of life. This son refuses to worship idols on the mountains and does not commit adultery. He does not exploit the poor, but instead is fair to debtors and does not rob them. He gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He helps the poor, does not lend money at interest, and obeys all my regulations and decrees. Such a person will not die because of his father's sins. He will surely live. But the father will die for his many sins, for being cruel, robbing people, and doing what was clearly wrong among his people. What, you ask? Doesn't the child pay for the parent's sins? No, for if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is right and just, they will surely live and will not die, and their past sins will be forgiven, and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the Sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten, and they will die for their sins. Yet you say, the Lord isn't doing what's right. Listen to me, O people of Israel. Am I the one not doing what's right, or is it you? When righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. Yes, they will die because of their sinful deeds. And if wicked people turn from their wickedness, obey the law, and do what is just and right, they will save their lives. 
They will live because they thought it over and decided to turn from their sins. Such people will not die. And yet, the people of Israel keep saying, The Lord isn't doing what's right. O people of Israel, it is you who are not doing what's right, not I. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Sing this funeral song for the princes of Israel. What is your mother, a lioness among lions? She lay down among the young lions and reared her cubs. She raised one of her cubs to become a strong young lion. He learned to hunt and devour prey, and he became a man-eater. Then the nations heard about him, and he was trapped in their pit. They led him away with hooks to the land of Egypt. When the lioness saw that her hopes for him were gone, she took another of her cubs and taught him to be a strong young lion. He prowled among the young lions and stood out among them in his strength. He learned to hunt and devour prey, and he too became a man-eater. He demolished fortresses and destroyed their towns and cities. Their farms were desolated, and their crops were destroyed. The land and its people trembled in fear when they heard him roar. Then the armies of the nations attacked him, surrounding him from every direction. They threw a net over him and captured him in their pit. With hooks, they dragged him into a cage and brought him before the king of Babylon. They held him in captivity so his voice could never again be heard on the mountains of Israel. Your mother was like a vine planted by the water's edge. It had lush green foliage because of the abundant water. Its branches became strong, strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. It grew very tall, towering above all others. It stood out because of its height and its many lush branches. But the vine was uprooted in fury and thrown down to the ground. The desert wind dried up its fruit and tore off its strong branches so that it withered and was destroyed by fire. Now the vine is transplanted to the wilderness where the ground is hard and dry. A fire has burst out from its branches and devoured its fruit. Its remaining limbs are not strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. This is a funeral song, and it will be used in a funeral. Hebrews 9, 1-10 That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship, and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in the tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the second room called the most holy place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the ark 
were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. Psalm 106, 32-48 At Meribah too they, the Israelites, angered the Lord, causing Moses serious trouble. They made Moses angry, and he spoke foolishly. Israel failed to destroy the nations in the land, as the Lord had commanded them. Instead, they mingled among the pagans and adopted their evil customs. They worshipped their idols, which led to their downfall. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters. By sacrificing them to the idols of Canaan, they polluted the land with murder. They defiled themselves by their evil deeds, and their love of idols was adultery in the Lord's eyes. That is why the Lord's anger burned against his people, and he abhorred his own special possession. He handed them over to pagan nations, and they were ruled by those who hated them. Their enemies crushed them and brought them under their cruel power. Again and again he rescued them, but they chose to rebel against him, and they were finally destroyed by their sin. Even so he pitied them in their distress, and he listened to their cries. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his unfailing love. He even caused their captors to treat them with kindness. Save us, O Lord God. Gather us back from among the nations, so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 27.10 Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. 
I want to speak to today from our reading from Hebrews chapter 9, but I want to back up a little bit and look at chapter 8, which really leads right into chapter 9. And in chapter 8, verse 7, it is written, If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. So here is a little bit of the background, is that there's a first covenant and then there's a second covenant. And the first covenant, there was nothing wrong with it. The problem was with the people. They had hard hearts. And the fact that the first covenant was written on two stone tablets, it was an invitation to a relationship, to a wedding relationship, a marriage relationship. Um, But because the people had hearts of stone, they committed adultery or spiritual idolatry, which in God's eyes is adultery. But verse 10 goes on to tell us more about what this second covenant would be. Verse 10, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws, my Torah, in their mind, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So now let's continue on in Hebrews chapter 9, which is what we read today. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1, it says, The first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. So now there's a direct comparison between the first covenant and the second covenant and a tabernacle comparison to the holy place and the most holy place. Verse 2, there were two rooms in the tabernacle, just like there's two covenants. In the first room, which can be likened or compared to the first covenant, there was a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table, and the room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind that curtain was the second room, which can be directly compared to the second or the new covenant, called the most holy place. And in that room was a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Okay, so we have a holy place where the priest could go in every day and keep the incense burning and keep the menorah lit and put in fresh bread once a week. And then there was the most holy place where only the great high priest could go in there once a year to offer atonement for his own sins and for the sins of his nation. And he sprinkled blood upon the Ark of the Covenant. But then, at the exact moment when Yeshua died on the cross, the curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy place was torn from bottom to top. And that curtain represented the tearing of Yeshua's flesh the crushing of his body. His body was destroyed. He was killed, murdered. And so when that happened and that 
curtain was torn in two. Basically, God was saying, you now have access to the most holy place. You now can step into the second covenant, the new covenant. And the new covenant is, I'm going to write my word, my Torah, upon your heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. It's not going to be a heart of stone. It's going to be a heart of flesh. And I'm going to take my word, my Torah, and write it upon your heart. That's the new covenant. Yeshua, Christ, lives in you, inside of you. And now the life you live, you live as unto Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ, Yeshua, who lives within me. That's the new covenant, the mystery revealed, Christ in you. And so we live in this new covenant. We have access to the Father through the Son. We have access to the most holy place in the spiritual tabernacle in heaven. That's a powerful thing, and it's something that we really need to wrap our mind and our heart around it, grasp it, receive it, and walk in the fullness of it. We have tremendous power and authority in Christ if we will see it and and receive it and implement that in our life. Abba, today we lift up Israel to you. We lift up the idea of soldiers who are in harm's way in Gaza Strip. We pray, Father, for angels to be dispatched to each and every idea of soldier to protect and guard and defend and protect them. We pray that they will have total victory in vanquishing the Hamas enemy and completely destroying the terrorist infrastructure and network. We pray that they will find all of the hostages, and bring them home safely. Father, please be with Israel. Encourage them. Comfort, comfort, comfort your people, especially those who have lost loved ones on the massacre of October the 7th. Please comfort your people. Please grant them favor. Please grant them total victory. We cover them, we bless them, and we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your son, Yeshua, who gives us eternal life. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Vish Mareka Yah Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai
Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.